Hello, everybody. Welcome to the show. I'm your host, Wagner Dos Santos, and this is Wagner Live Midweek Update. Today, we're going to get caught up on the top news in marketing, advertising, branding, and business with commentary from yours truly. So here we go. This is Wagner Live, a live video talk show and podcast, and your destination for trending topics in marketing, advertising, branding, and business. Straight talking marketing maverick, Wagner Dos Santos is your host. Here's Wagner. All right, so let's um, let's talk about what's big in the news of business and advertising and all that good stuff. Well, not a lot. Um, I mean, there's some stuff, but. I don't bring you the boring stuff, as you know. I I, I try to save that for the, the people at Bloomberg and, you know, Fox News and other other business outlets, uh, Wall Street Journal. You know, you can get those kind of things there. But I, I try to give you what I find to be kind of bubbling on the top, you know, a little bit more of a, of a wide interest, let's say. So in that category, if you will, not a lot of stuff, but it kind of works out for me because let me tell you something. Um, I think that most of you know by now that Wagner Live is a uh, product, if you will, of the agency by the same name, Wagner, which coincidentally happens to also be my first name. And um, so the marketing and advertising agency named Wagner has had a very busy week so far this week. And I hope um, all my other agency friends out there that subscribe to the show that you guys have been having a great week too. It looks like our industry has been doing fairly well this year. And typically our industry does well because business is doing well, right? Because if business isn't doing well, then they aren't able to set aside the marketing dollars or sufficient marketing dollars to uh, allocate toward a, an agency like ours, right? So it all kind of works uh, works together like that. But um, this has been, uh, especially up and up through today, we've been working on an RFP response. And if any of you guys um, in general, have worked in on um, on responding to RFPs and putting together proposals for RFPs, especially those that are government related. They are tough. They're tough because of a lot of things. So I, I think I'm just going to go on a tangent here before I get started. So RFPs um, from especially from from the government tend to be difficult because they are written by a lot of different people, sometimes cut and pasted together and um, not properly proved so they don't really make a lot of sense sometimes. Also, especially for marketing and advertising, they are not really written sometimes by people that are in marketing and advertising. So they're using terminology that is made up or something that they use that is not part of our language and it gets a little confusing to read through them so it's a big job just to make sure that you're following everything and not missing anything because the procurement offices they have a, a, a job to do where they need to ensure that you are um, complying with everything and if you don't you could not only lose points significant points but you could be flat out disqualified so imagine you spend all this time building your RFP response which really takes a few weeks sometimes even more depending on how big it is 
And then, so, so not only do you have the investment of labor, then you also have the investment of the actual printing of the books, because let's face it, if you really want the job, you're not going to uh, put it through a copier and then staple it on the corner. Although, let me tell you something, I was at a pitch recently, and that's exactly with what one of the agencies did. They actually provided, in, in fact, no, they didn't even provide it with a, a staple so or, or paper clip. What they did was they used one of those binder clips and uh, they had a bunch of black and white papers. They put a binder clip on them and when the selection committee was looking through them, they were all like, it's all out of order, I don't know what to do and, and how do I evaluate the creative work when it's all black and white? It was crazy, and uh, it reminded me of a good friend that I have who uh, was a, or may still be actually, um, a agency search consultant. What he does is that he will uh, work with agencies to help them improve their presentation and their pitch, but he'll also work with brands and companies that are looking for an agency, and he will help them with the RFP process. So. He told me something interesting that I'll never forget. He said there are three categories of proposals that come in through an RFP response. One is where it's all done up. It's just like crazy. It's got like uh, it look it looks like an elephant package, you know, or you know whatever. It's something really wild and crazy. That goes in one pile. Then there's the pretty well put together, looks really nice, clean, professional, nicely bound, uh, really nice stock of paper, really, really nice presentation and attractive. That goes in another pile. Then there's some um, proposals that come in that they are either single sheets stuck into a folder um, and or, or pocket folder, you know, or like I said, the binder clips, and that goes into another pile. So he told me that this last one, that pile goes straight to the garbage, okay? And the other two piles now move on to the uh, the competition. So think about that. If you're gonna enter the RFP contest, don't, uh, you know, don't, don't cheapen your efforts. It's better not to do it at all. And, uh, and it is quite an investment of time and resources. I have a headache, uh, I think, just reliving it and talking about it but it's all good we we have good success when we respond to rfps and um hopefully knock on some wood somewhere that uh this will be the case with this one that we're working on so let's move on so uh coca-cola i i'm i'm so sorry to hear this but coca-cola said that they are killing coke zero and they are replacing it with a new drink now, I worked on the Coke Zero brand back in 2009, and I, my former agency that I owned, Beloved, was responsible for launching the largest trial program in Coca-Cola North America history. We distributed 15 million samples of Coke Zero throughout the country in what was a 48-week sampling program. Very intense, and I think we were in... Uh, 12, 12, 15 markets, something like that. Um, and so a lot of effort was put into into Coke Zero to appeal to a younger audience. And I also enjoyed the drink too. And uh, anyway, they say that uh, it's being replaced by a beverage with a different recipe and design and name. 
and it's going to be called Coke Zero, Coke Zero Sugar, not Coke Zero Sugar, but Coke Zero Sugar. So I'm not so concerned with the fact that they added sugar there because maybe they feel that they really have to emphasize. You would think that most people would understand that Coke Zero means there's zero calories, zero sugar, right? But I, I have had people still ask me when they see me drink Coke, say, ooh, that's really bad for you. And I was like, eh, and they say, you know, I know you're trying to lose weight, and, you know, I said, yeah, but there's zero calories. Yeah, but how about the sugar? I said, uh, zero, Coke Zero, zero sugar, zero calories, no sugar, aspartame. Um, and then I hear things about aspartame. Anyway, so... Um, I, I'm more disappointed that they're changing their recipe because I really like the Coke Zero recipe, but hey, let's see what happens. Um, <laughs> so Nielsen, uh, Nielsen is the company that um, handles media ratings and analytics, um, the largest in the world. They are now uh, including Hulu and YouTube in its TV ratings, and this came from a Wall Street Journal report. Um, this... Um, this comes in at a time when digital spend is at, at an all-time high and, and increasing uh, quarter after quarter, and money is dwindling down away from traditional or broadcast uh, television. So in order to get accurate ratings, the uh, measurement firm decided that they need to include uh, digital consumption as well. So I think that's very interesting and expect to see more metrics be plugged into digital to add them into um, into the overall uh, program. So uh, next but not least, uh, it was another quarter for uh, another huge quarter, if you will, for Google's parent company, Alphabet. Um, they um, they reported um, twenty six billion in revenue and. And record-breaking 2.7 billion euro. Um, uh, wait, let me get this straight again. Wait, I'm trying to get the figures right. All right, they said with an with over 26 billion dollars in revenue. Uh, oh yeah, that record-breaking 2.7 billion uh, in euro uh, seems like a drop in the bucket. Yeah, that's huge. That's huge. And uh, Google is doing a lot of things right. Granted, a lot of people criticize Google for. Uh, launching a lot of unsuccessful things that they scrap later on. But let me remind you that um, companies like Virgin, Richard Branson's company, he he's very proud of the fact that he started many different companies that have failed, and um, but he's had more that have been successful or just enough of them have been successful to um, pay for those plus some that were unsuccessful. So one of them was Virgin Cola, if you guys remember, it's a very short stint and that was a big uh, failure. But Google experiments quite a bit as well. And I think it's to, uh, uh, I, I think it's an advantage of theirs that they're willing to experiment and try things out and if they don't work, they're very quick on their feet to move on. So um, Facebook is uh, reportedly and this is not a big surprise. They're reportedly building an Amazon Echo-like speaker that will launch in 2018. The speaker is reportedly being developed by Facebook's consumer hardware lab, Building 8. So talk about teams being scrapped and moved on. This is a team that was moved on from some other areas in Facebook. And they're focusing now on this Amazon Echo-like smart speaker because, of course, 
Facebook can't allow Amazon to be leading the charge with uh, um, voice recognition and smart home controlling devices. They need to jump on that and they can't let people like um, Snap also win in, uh, in social media. They need Instagram to do that. So Facebook really wants to dominate all. And, uh, but they're chugging along just behind innovation. And that, that'll be interesting. I said this in a previous program, I think it was even on this program last week, that it's, uh, it's interesting when you see a company that's uh, always a few steps behind innovation and how long can they, uh, uh, can they make that work and, and make that sustainable. Um, but of course, I know that Facebook's doing well and we don't see any sign of them failing, but you would think that um, instead of trailing behind, they'd be focusing on some innovation so they can be uh, a leader right, right out of the gate. Um, and a new technology, this is uh, interesting, I thought, a new technology could change the game for Amazon, Facebook, Netflix, and every smartphone user. It's called OLED, otherwise known as organic light emitting diodes. You got that? Organic light emitting diodes. Say that 10 times fast or just say OLED. That's probably better. And what's interesting is that they say this could change how people use their smartphones. So this is how the technology works. Hopefully I'm not going to butcher it. It, um, I, I read the whole article is really interesting. It, um, essentially does not require backlighting. So it's a, it's a front emitting light. And so why is that important? Well, if you don't need backlight, that reduces the need for some, uh, back end hardware, right? So without that need, you can essentially have a very paper thin device. Right. So now you've heard the rumors about uh, all the paper thin technology that's coming out and TVs that you can roll up or or smartphone devices. So this is why it's a game changer, because with this technology, they will be able to make much thinner devices. And it looks like that's the direction a lot of uh, technology is going, not so much trying to make it smaller. In fact, we've seen the opposite where we've seen technology get bigger. Um, people are enjoying the bigger screens, but what they want is for them to be lighter and thinner and more portable. So this is a very interesting piece of technology. I'm kind of excited about it and uh, excited to see where it goes. Um, and next, The Rock. Yes, Dwayne Johnson, The Rock. He made a four minute movie with Apple about Siri. Have you guys seen it yet? Uh, it's, it's, uh, it's, it's interesting. It's a lot of fun, but I don't want to... I don't want to prejudice your opinion. I'd like you guys to check it out and go ahead and check it out on YouTube or Google it. It's a four minute movie uh, that The Rock does with Apple and it's about Siri and uh, love to hear uh, what you think about it and whether you think it um, it's good for Apple or or not or is it good for Siri and uh, or do you think it's uh, it's cheesy. So. Uh, let me know your comments. As always, you can use hashtag Wagner Live on practically any platform, and uh, we monitor that regularly and uh, and check for um, all the dialogue, and we dialogue back with you. <laughs> all right. Well, listen, that's all for our show today. 
Thank you so much for joining me. I will be back tomorrow night for another episode of Wagner Live Interviews. And I have the pleasure to interview Andy Hinlu. I know I'm mispronouncing his name, and I'm going to ask him to uh, to correct me later. Um, he is the CEO of Alatura, which I could be mispronouncing as well, but we're just going to go with that. And his story is really interesting, and I, I, I think you're going to want to be part of this. He had a near-death experience, and that near-death experience led him to develop a cutting-edge natural skincare line, and it's revitalizing the skincare market. So you'll want to check it out. And uh, until then, this is Wagner signing off. This has been another episode of Wagner Live. For replays, show schedules, and more information, go to Wagner.live. Until next time.